R E A R E A R E A R E A Audio Reemployability. Have you ever heard the story of the boy and the starfish? If you've listened to this podcast, you probably have because I think I've used it in an intro before, but the abbreviated version goes like this. A boy arrived on a beach one morning to find thousands of starfish stranded on the sand. His heart broke, knowing that they would all die if they didn't somehow make their way back into the water, so he began picking them up and throwing them back into the ocean. His dad, lagging behind, arrived on the hopeless scene and said in a kind, loving voice, You know, son, there are thousands of starfish on this beach. I certainly appreciate your passion, but you know, you cannot possibly make a difference here. Well, the boy stopped for a moment and lowered his head. And he knelt down, he picked up a starfish, and he tossed it into the sea. He looked at his dad and he said, you know what? I think I made a difference for that one. In a lot of ways, retired Lieutenant Colonel Scott Mann reminds me of that young man on the beach. As the founder of Rooftop Leadership, an author, producer, and mentor, he shares what he learned about human connections during his time in Special Forces to help businesses and people navigate in the low-trust world we currently live in one human connection at a time. So Scott, thank you so very much for taking time out of your extremely busy schedule. Do you mind just kind of laying it out, uh, setting the stage for for what you're doing now and, and kind of where you came from? Yeah, sure. I'll actually go in the order that you kind of reverse it is, you know, where I come from uh, is uh, grew up in a little logging town in, in Mount Ida, Arkansas. Shout out to my to my peeps, my my one thousand and thirty six peeps in that town there. And, um, we didn't even have a stoplight, you know. And and um, about fourteen years old, a green beret walks into our soda shop, um, and it just the guy looked like something out of a movie, right? Like out of a recruiting poster. And and he was in town on leave, and and I went up immediately and talked to this guy. I was a runt of a kid, little bitty guy. And he was not only did he look cool, but he was just such a great guy. And, and there was just something about the way he walked in the room, you know, just kind of a it was it wasn't even a, a strut. It was just like a swagger. And I just the guy had was so worldly. And so, it, you know, he you could just tell he had lived. I mean, maybe 28 years old, like a pretty young fella. But he just he was he in that moment, he was everything I wanted to be. And when he sat down and talked with me, he told me that he was a Green Beret. Uh, the formal title is U.S. Army Special Forces, and and his name was Mark, and and he just explained to me how like there's all these elite units like the SEALs and Delta Force, but the Green Berets are very different in that they they jump into places that are low trust and high stakes, and they build relationships over time, and then they help the the little guy stand up against the big guy, and they do that based off the trust that they build when risk is low and then they leverage that trust when risk is high and just everything about that Todd was so exciting to me and I think mainly about this helping the little guy stand up against the big guy because I was truly a runt and it just set a fire in my belly at age 14 that never extinguished I I knew right then that's what I was going to do um, and, and as soon as I was able, when I got out of college, I joined the army, went into special forces and spent 18 of my 23 years working in places like Colombia, Peru, and then mostly Afghanistan after 9-11 and then retired 
in 2013 after, you know, what had been a, a, a solid run. I, I didn't like where the army was heading. I did. I was a lieutenant colonel at that point. I didn't like what was happening in Afghanistan. I disagreed with it. And so I turned down the next level of command that I'd been selected for and I, and I hung it up and I decided to try to pursue a different path and, and try to affect change on the outside. Um, and that's what I did. My transition was terrible. Uh, a lot of PTS, a lot of survivor's guilt, a lot of loss of purpose, which is a lot of veterans and first responders experience when they change planets from military to civilian. And uh, within 18 months of retirement, I, I found myself standing in a closet holding a 45 pistol and no intention of walking out. And had a few things not happened in, in those moments, just serendipity, I don't think I'd be here. And, and to include my son coming home from school when he, you know, earlier than I expected. And uh, it, it was humiliating. It was um, just the lowest point of my life, but it was also a point where I look back on it and it was pretty defining in the sense that I, I, I started to kind of climb out of that hole over time and, and ironically sharing the story of that moment with other veterans who were in um, at-risk states and to help them realize that it wasn't just them going through that. And it started to have a pretty profound effect. So I started asking myself as I looked around the country at all the division and the, and the, the lack of purpose, you know, what if I could take the human connection skills that I learned as a Green Beret, which we're pretty good at, and I could teach leaders on the veteran side and the, and the, and the business side to build better connections, better relationships, you know, that would just really light me up. And, and that's what became my, my passion. And so I formed rooftop leadership on the for-profit side, the hero's journey on the nonprofit side. And both of them are built around human connection, storytelling, those old school interpersonal skills that help us make better connections. And, and that's what I've been doing ever since. Very fortunate here at Reemployability, Deb Livingston, who is the uh, founder and CEO of our company, um, got involved with you a number of years ago, and she's brought what you uh, teach her as a leader to uh, the senior leadership team, but it also trickles down to everyone that, that works here. And I was introduced to you a couple of years ago when I started here yeah. and have always um, admired uh, special forces and, and just military in general and all that you all do and, and give and and sacrifice and the ability for you to take uh, all those things that I, and I believe you've mentioned, you still teach a lot of these things, right? To, to Green Brace, you still do that? Absolutely. Yeah. Like the stuff I teach uh, on human connection, mm-hmm. ironically, Green Berets have been around, I think since 1952, one of the oldest, you know, special ops units, but yet, and, and we, uh, our, our specialty is human connection, like building rapport and then mobilizing indigenous people to fight back from the inside out. An example of that would be like Ukraine, where Green Berets have been operating in Ukraine for a decade plus. And what you're seeing now is the manifestation of a lot of combat advising and training and relationships over the years. And that's the kind of thing that, that, that Green Berets do. And I've always contended that that's more in, it's not just instinct there's a skill to that but yet for the longest time in the in the green beret qualification course we didn't train that we you either had that instinct or you didn't and you were evaluated on it if you didn't have it you were gone turns out you can actually train this you can actually teach purpose based human connection there is a skill set there's a discipline you know business leaders call them the soft skills i hate that term 
Uh, if you look at the science of human nature and how we, you know, we sit on top of the food chain, not because of our fur, fangs, or claws, or you know, our martial skills uh, that most animals have to like fight. It, we sit on top of the food chain because we're great at socially grouping with other humans, and and that's our superpower is the social brain, right? But we don't we treat it as a soft skill, an afterthought, something to do, you know, as a, as a HR requirement at the end of the quarter, and it's not. You're leaving tons of value on the table. I explained that to Deb when I first met her, and because she was thinking, "How does a green beret help me run, you know, reemployability?" And I、right. said, "I tell you what, join our mastermind, and I can show you exactly how what works in life and death works in life and business." She has been the stellar model of that. Like、mm-hmm. she has taken literally all of it and put it into、um, her arena, you know, in your industry, and it's been astounding. But it's. It's because we're all tied. The bottom line is, as humans, we're all wired the same way. You know, regardless of language or cultural differences or ethnicity, we are meaning-seeking, emotional creatures that are very primal. We're ancient brains struggling to make sense of a modern world, and that's true for all of us. And if we understand those human nature realities, and that we're wired to be connected to each other. Uh, boy, you can have a lot more influence and impact in what you do. And most leaders are just leaving that value on the table. The first time I met you, you came in with a couple of folks to help us do some strategy sessions, and I can't recall if it was just before COVID or if it was right after COVID. It, it might have、right、been、before. right before, yeah. And I re- we were sitting in the conference room, and I remember you walking in, and just the way you walked in the room. It, you you controlled the room without even saying anything, and it was just the purpose that you had. You walked right in. You sat and 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 I couldn't tell if it was because oh this guy is a you know retired colonel and so he does this all the time, or if there was something more to it. But there was nothing that was、um, intimidating about it. It was it was it was a almost a you felt reassured when you walked in the room. And those are the types of skills because our conversation afterwards took us in that direction because you did a lot of things that that you talk about in rooftop that that helped us that didn't know you yet really lean in and be open and honest about where we were at that time.、Um, and ever since then, I've just I've, I've been trying to absorb as much as I can from rooftop and and, and all that you do and, and trickle that down to our sales team and everybody else here. So it's、uh, been phenomenal. I, I appreciate that. One one thing I'll just add to that, just so you know. But it, I think it illuminates what we're talking about here. Is you know, I appreciate those comments. And what I've always tried to do is to make a human connection first in every engagement that I do, whether that's with one of my sons, whether that's with you know you all in that circumstance where we were kind of meeting for the first time, or with a client or whatever. You know, our human connections represent some of the greatest value and social capital in what we do, and we're so casual about them in the day-to-day disconnected, materialistic, mass technology world that we live in. We blow them off,、mm-hmm. and and in reality, those engagements are the gold of what we do, regardless of our industry. And so, I learned long ago in special forces, if I walked into a room with you know fairly ticked-off tribal elders who are tickling the triggers of their AKs, wondering whether to dispatch me or not. You know, I've got to make a connection fast, and and so I started to get really deliberate and really intentional about before I, you know, when I change rooms, if I walk in a new room, what is it with that room that I need to be intentional and present for? And I do this thing called pre-engagement preparation or PEP, 
And one part of that, it only takes like three minutes, is I asked myself three questions. And I did that before I walked in with you all. Who am I? You know, why am I here? And what do these people need from me? And so, you know, just those three questions of validating your identity, getting clear on your purpose for that engagement. And then the last thought on your mind is what do they need from me? And I believe that if that's the last thing on your mind before you walk in the room, then that sets your intention when you walk in the room. And that's what people see. And they know it without a a word said. You can tell if someone's in the room for themselves or if they're in the room to try to figure out what the other party needs and meet that goal. It's a palpable difference. Yeah. And and we're going to talk about a lot of this preparation stuff as we go on today. And and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I mean, it was, it was, it was evident. It was completely evident. And, and I can recall coming out away from that session with a lot of really, really good things. And and like I said, just a a great desire to learn more because uh, it's helped our business tremendously. That said, as I mentioned, I think right after that COVID happened and, you know, you were building rooftop, you know, it was what, two years ago, over two years ago. So it was in a different phase than what it yeah. is now. Reemployability was was in a different phase than what it is now. And when COVID happened, you know, you were doing all face-to-face stuff and, mm-hmm. and you know, just like everybody else was. And then um, everything changed and we couldn't do those things anymore. And you came out with a session, a, a bunch of modules on how to kind of adapt to COVID and how to work with Zoom and, and even when we had to walk in with PPE and, and how to do those things. And, and as a group, we, we went through those modules and it, and it really helped a lot. What I'm curious about was when COVID happened, did that automatically click in your head like, oh, I've got the answer to all this stuff or did it take a lot of planning and preparation and, and how did you come up with some of the strategies that you came up with to help folks pivot so quickly because it, it literally was within I want to say weeks or a month after everything happened. Yeah, I, I appreciate that call out, and you know the way I would characterize it is no, I did not have the answers. In fact, much like most of the small business owners, you know, when COVID hit, it was oh crap, you know, what are we going to do? Because every gig we had was like you said in person, and it, they just canceled like in minutes. Our whole year was gone, yeah. and you know I've got just like you all, I've got associates on my team. I have to worry about and their families. And no, there was that moment. And, you know, so what did happen though, and I, and I, I like to believe that it, that it, it's possible for anyone is that I did draw from my experience in very chaotic, complex environments that I had dropped myself into with my teammates over the years And you start to think about things a little differently. You start to think about chaos and complexity a little bit differently and recognizing that, you know, the world, the arena we live in is by definition chaos. You know, we bring order to our own lives. It is a, it is a bit of a facade. We create, we create order, but then whenever the universe or your higher power or God wants to drop in that little ball of chaos, it's going to happen. And I just came to terms with that a long time ago and and recognized that that's something I can't control. I can't control the insertion of chaos from the externals. Like that's going to happen. What I can control is how I respond to it. And I can control how I think about it and, and, and my emotions. So a lot of it in that sense, Todd, was getting my own emotional temperature under control and not letting my primal uh, fear of resources and status, which is what drives all of us take over, you know, not let the elephant take over the rider, do my diaphragmatic breathing, 
And then I just dropped into, okay, what I always do in those moments is what do the people to the left and right of me need right now? You know, I found that if I go in my own head and start going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? I fail epically in hard times. If I go drop into my body and just go, all right, look to your left, look to your right. What do people need right now? Where can I serve? That typically opens doors to the next thing. And that's been true for me in combat. It's been true for me in, you know, business. And in that moment, that's what I did. I started thinking about, okay, well, people are going to have to communicate differently than they've ever done. Uh, I've done a lot of that in special forces on remote using different video connections. And and I know how to make connections that way and still influence. Let's put something out there as fast as we can go. And then communicated that to the team and we went. And, um, you know, I'm like a nine quick start on the scale of 10. So we went fast. (laughs) Yeah, no. And it was very helpful. It was, it was tremendous. In fact, excuse me, we still go back and, and look at some of that stuff because, you know, as, as we are coming out of things, um, there's still, uh, there's still residual things that are happening. And and I want to talk to you a little bit about all of the little, little out branches of COVID, I call them, right? Like my, my thought was when COVID happened, we would be shut down for two weeks, maybe a month. And then everything would be turned back on and everything would be great, right? We've had these scares before, but it's never been taken to this level. Um, But as you know, and as everybody's listening knows, you know, we went through COVID and then we had social unrest and then we had an election and then we had this and then we had that. And then we had, now we're talking about a a war in Ukraine and and all these little things. And, And I know the war, that's not necessarily associated with COVID, but I feel like everything's kind of connected a little bit. You know, you know, and and uh, it almost feels like today we as a society are living off the next drama. Right. Like I'm not a big drama guy. I got a I got a teenage daughter at home and everything is drama. I try to stay away from it as much as I possibly can. But I feel like with social media, like we are living on the next drama, the next drama, the next drama. Do you you feel that same way? And and how do you counteract that? I mean, you can do it yourself because of the things that you do personally. But how do you help other people to not focus on the drama? And yeah, I think I I think that's a really great question. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pulling up an article right now, Todd, that I, I hope that you'll share uh, with your listeners. It's in the Atlantic most recently. It just came out and it's called uh, why the, and I'm going to share it with you after this podcast, but it's yeah. why the past 10 years of American life have been uniquely stupid. I, I read the headline, but I didn't read the article. I just saw it the other day. Yeah. Phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it speaks to a lot of what we're talking about. So let me just, let's just unpack this a little bit. I mean, again, I think it's important for, for us as leaders, whether you have a title or not, right? If you, if you have a family, you're likely going to lead your family. If you are in a community, you have the potential to lead your community. My thoughts on leadership is, We follow the person, not with the title or the experience, but who is the most relatable to our pain and relevant to our goals. That's who we follow. That's who humans follow. And I've seen this borne out in some of the most low trust, dangerous places on earth where, you know, the the person with the rank or the experience was not really followed, whereas the person who was relatable and relevant was. And so this is where I'm coming from on this. The question that I want to ask myself all the time is, 
How can I be the most relatable to people's pain and the most relevant to their goals in the moments that matter? And, you know, one of the things on that is to realize that there is chaos all around us and we can't control that. It is out of our control. And to spend energy on that or time on that, worrying about that is an expenditure of energy that I don't have. And leadership is the management of energy, yours and those around you, according to Professor James Clawson. So that's the first thing is, how do I just think about the arena? And the arena is going to throw things, like you said, Ukraine, COVID, the next crisis, you know, into my into my face. The question is, do I have the resilience to navigate through it and come out on the other side still thriving? That's the key. And a lot of that, if not most of it, is self-leadership. It's all about how we manage our own emotional temperature, how we regulate our state, how we frame what's happening to us instead of, you know, for us instead of to us, and and just really navigate the complexity to come out on the other side. And a lot of times paralysis is what jams us up is we freeze. When something happens, we just freeze. And I've found that like in times of chaos and complexity, the first thing I want to do is move. I want to get some kind of action underway, not recklessly, but I want to do some kind of movement because movement and meaning are inextricably linked for mammals. When we start to move, we start to get clarity. Maybe you've experienced this. Like if you've ever had like a wave of emotion hit over you of sadness, you know, grief. And if you sit still, you literally hold your breath and it's like terrible. But if you just move, you start to find meaning and, and focus again. And so I think it's those kinds. It's, it's how do I lead myself first and, and through those initial moments? And then how do I show up as relatable and relevant to the other party? And really focus on being relatable and relevant, relatable and relevant, relatable and relevant. And then the next thing will happen. Right. I, I'll find what the next thing is that I need to do. And if I just stay there, it's when I start thinking about how am I doing? Oh, my God, what's happening? Oh, what am I going to do? That's when we we drowned, mm-hmm. you know, but um, those are my thoughts on it. I, I spend a lot of time on this. I wrote a book called Leading Through Chaos. It's a little book that I I wrote during the pandemic that I took my lessons learned in crisis management and combat. And, and I think it's got a lot in it that people could could use. But at a high level, that's how I think about it. Yeah. You know, my son played baseball. I think your your boys played ball too, right? And um, I can recall going, we have a a close friend who is a a professional tennis coach and he kind of helped coach the team here and there. And I remember going to him and saying, you know, Craig, my son, he just won't be aggressive at the plate. What can I do to make him more aggressive at the plate? And he said, Todd, if he doesn't know he needs to be more aggressive at the plate and doesn't believe he needs to be, there's nothing you can tell him that's <laughs> going to make him be more aggressive. You know what I mean? And so it, that was that was like an epiphany to me. There's people out there that if they don't know that they need to uh, do some things internally so that they're not constantly bouncing from the next piece of drama to the next, there's nothing really that, that we can do other than lead by example, I guess, right? Great point. That's a great point. And if you look at the world today, like just look at, I, I believe that, you know, as humans, so we, we respond to, you know, I, the other thing is that I'm really big on is understanding our own nature, you know, and, and as modern humans, we've gotten away from our own nature. We, we've lost connection to kind of our traditional past. And there's just things about our nature, Todd, that haven't changed in a thousands and thousands of years. For example, you know, we're mostly energy. So when we are confronted with 
a crisis or something that is uh, an environmental concern, we go into fight, flight, or freeze. Like that's a sympathetic response that our nervous system has. We go into a trance-like state. You know, again, to your listeners, if you've ever been in a car crash or a life and death situation or someone jumped out and scared you, you had this visceral primal response where you felt needles in your skin and everything went to tunnel vision and things moved in slow motion. Like all of those are responses that our body does at an autonomic level to res- to survive. And what happens is we that's a trance-like state. We go into a trance to do what we have to do to survive. You know, and and this happens to us all the time when a crisis comes in on us, we we have a similar fight, flight, or freeze response. But instead of, you know, an episodic fleeting response to a saber-toothed tiger, now I'm having the same response to my 401k eroding for nine months. And that's not healthy. It's not what we're wired to do. And it's not appropriate for the reality that I'm in. But my brain, my old brain doesn't know the difference. And so I have to, I have to figure out that, all right, you know, the, the primal part of my brain is going to respond unless it's trained to these chaotic, as you call drama moments in a way that's not appropriate. And my child will do the same. My coworker will do the same. My employees will do the same. And rather than fault them, let's just recognize they're not trained, lead ourselves first, bring our emotional temperature down, and then help other people navigate through it by modeling what it should look like. Thanks for listening this week to REA Audio. If you have any comments or suggestions for an upcoming episode, please let us know. You can email Todd at reemployability.com. Also, please follow REA Audio on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also check out more content at listentorea.com. Next week, we continue with Scott digging deeper into some techniques to make you more resilient and relevant at work, in your community, and at home. So have a fantastic rest of your week. Mm -hmm.